0: Mm-hmm. No.
1: snow day here in ontario and much of the east coast so what better way to spend it than grabbing a warm drink and talking some toronto fc with us here on waking the red weekly presented by footy talks my name is mitchell tierney editor at wtr and boy we have another jam-packed show for you guys this week uh we'll be talking some updates on where and when toronto fc might play this upcoming season their designated player search and plenty plenty more just a bit here, Laura Armstrong of the Toronto Star will join the show to discuss the Canadian Women's National Team, head of the She Believes Cup, as well as, I'm sure, some Toronto FC and, and plenty more. Uh, Michael, Jeff, how you guys doing this week? Mike, you uh, watch any hockey over the last uh, couple of days? Less
2: than a minute in, and you already want to go there, right? <laughs> I mean, um, I want to... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead, Jeff.
3: No, I was going to completely change the subject and just open with why does everything in the world have to be so hard and set my OCD off. I uh, I started getting into The Expanse, and I uh, figured I'd treat myself to the box set of the books, and then they arrived. Why are they bigger than textbooks I owned in film school? <laughs> I mean, this is not a pocket-sized novel. I'm afraid to open them because I know that like standard paperbacks exist somewhere. So... You know, I tried to do a nice thing for myself, and there you go.
1: Well, we've got some hockey talk. We've got some show and tell with Jeff, but let's get into (laughs) the actual (laughs) headlines this week. Um, Let's start with news of the season itself, um, which has been delayed, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, after the CBA negotiations until April 17th. Now, Toronto FC, actually, they're going to be in camp tomorrow. They're starting things out early because we anticipate – canadian championship in march um you guys thoughts on on any of this i mean it's not really surprising the seasons delayed but you know it looks like we'll have games sooner rather than later which obviously massive positive
2: yeah i think it's important to know that tfc have been prepping for this all along i mean if any of you guys follow any of their their players on instagram or whatnot you'll nope. see that, that they've been <laughs> they've been in toronto for for a while and I think mm-hmm. this is something they were sort of preparing for is that early start to the year. So I'm assuming they'll all be quarantined. They'll all be ready to go um, on the 17th there. And, hey, like, we have something to look forward to. But what I'm really puzzled about is how come we don't have a date announced? What's What's the delay in that by now? Mm-hmm. Should it not be finalized? Or are they still trying to figure things out? What are your guys' thoughts on that?
1: There's a lot to work around. I mean, you've got Olympic qualifying. You've got Canadian men's national team. Uh, as well for the World Cup. And what's the third thing, Jeff?
3: Well, the fourth thing is uh, where are they playing it?
1: Is, yeah, is the rumours yeah. about Raymond James
3: Stadium in, in sunny Tampa, Florida? Because if so, don't they have to set up there? And then doesn't it then become the onus then fall to, to Hamilton's Forge FC to get over there within quarantine times?
2: Well, preseason's I mean, taking place in Toronto. So mm-hmm. TFC are going to be training at BMO or BMO training grounds for yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the foreseeable future um, because the MLS season obviously doesn't start until April there. So, I mean, it does give them some time to work out a solution here within Canada potentially. Um, and that's likely because it is the Canadian championship. And I'd be very surprised if it is played elsewhere aside from Canada. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I just want to hear a date by now because I think we're, we're getting close to things and, you know, the uh, Concacaf draw has already been done. We we know when that's starting, and we know like which time frame the game will be. It'll be between now and April six. But mm-hmm. when when's that date? Oh, lost that there. <laughs> <laughs> so
3: so our friends, our friends of the vocal minority, discussed you know the possibility of the game not even being played at all, Excellent. and uh, they they brought up uh, a coin toss, a coin flip. They also brought up a Pan Hamilton a pan qew team like a little bit forge a little bit country a little bit rock and roll um would you be happy with a with a coin flip to decide who goes no no i don't <laughs> think anyone would <laughs> yeah i don't think
1: there's any chance of that although hey coin toss is great part of our canadian soccer heritage uh, Canada, of course <laughs> qualifying for the knockout rounds of the gold cup in 2000 through a coin toss went up and won that tournament so who knows if there's any Canadian team that's going to win the CONCACAF Champions League? Probably going to qualify through a coin toss. <laughs> <out. laughs> that's a good point.
3: Yeah, that is that is a, that is a harrowing point. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I mean Raymond James Stadium, Tampa, Florida, home of the, uh, uh, the former uh, MLS side. Uh, what were they? The Mutiny. Tampa Bay the Mutiny. Mutiny.
2: And yeah. home of the reigning Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, yeah. I don't know, Mitch. Have you heard anything further on on that those lines, or any further developments, or is that the latest that we got there?
1: Um, what I will say, I mean, they, I think they are looking at multiple um, places this this season. I don't think they've locked in on Tampa Bay. Um, the the place that I have heard is somewhere else in near there, um, not Tampa. So, uh, I think they are looking at multiple possibilities. Like I've yeah. said before, yeah, I'd be surprised if they end up. Back in Hartford or in the North. I think it just makes more sense at this point for for a lot of reasons. Obviously, it's a little bit riskier from a, a COVID standpoint, but for a lot of reasons, I think it makes more sense to uh, camp in Florida. And it seems to be going well for for the Raptors who are down there. Um, we'll ex- probably expect the Jays to be somewhere close in Dunedin as well for, for this next season if, if reports are to be believed. So, you know, we could have all the Toronto teams down there uh, next and- year
2: and you kind of touched on it last week is that the players, they weren't happy really in East Hartford, even though it was for, for two months, I guess there's not really, I mean, it's East Hartford, Connecticut. And they, they tried to, you know, (laughs) make it as appealing as, make it sound as appealing as, as they could. But end of the day, it is East Hartford, Connecticut. And, you know, with, with weather and everything going on there, Bill Manning told the Toronto sun, I think this week, um, that again, the players weren't really the happiest there. And that's why they're kind of looking at other locations. Um, and I think, I mean, the ultimate reason I think he cited was um, because of weather conditions in the area, but he is looking at other areas in the Northeast um, and considering that option. But I'd be surprised if TFC don't start summer warmer, uh, just because why not? <laughs> if you have the option, why not?
3: Yeah, I mean, I understand uh, weather for, you know, the quality of training and, and, and playing your games. Um, but you know, I do remember the MLS's black his back tournament where we were all complaining about the, uh, the magma hot temperatures in Orlando. So, you know, I, I, when people are like, well, the weather was crap, but we're in a hotel, there was nothing to do in the town, but we're, we're, we're quarantined <laughs> in a hotel the whole time. It's like, you wouldn't have been able to do anything anyway. So, you know,
1: yeah, but they have a- I mean, there too, so like, yeah, you know. but being like, like even from a weather standpoint, like. I don't know, like, you know how much nicer it can be sometimes if if it's sunny out and, you know, there's there's nice weather versus... You
2: you wake up, you look outside your window and you see Florida and the hot sun, or you wake up, you look outside your window and you see buildings, clouds, and East Hartford, Connecticut... I mean, which one would you rather choose? Uh, that's why people call vacation I, down there now. Yeah, but, the, but, they,
3: but but I think that would be doubly depressing. It's like, oh, look at how nice it is outside where I can't go ever. So I, I, I don't know. Well, for, look, they me, to do
1: stuff. We saw the, like, Top Gun uh, adjacent <laughs> scene of uh, Piatti and Pozuelo playing uh, some foot, uh, whatever it is, some, foot uh, table uh, tennis. Uh, or...
3: Yeah, table tennis. I think that was a deep fake, guys. Next time we get Jerome on here, we're going to.
1: We're gonna get a real <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no, I know th- I think I think it does make more sense to to be down there and we'll we'll, we'll obviously see um, where it goes from from there one thing that is interesting to me though is with their designated player search and we'll we'll move on to this like now that the seasons delayed and and things are you know like if if you can't get your right guy if, if you don't think that you're gonna get that guy this window do you push for the summer now? Because how many games is he going to miss if he doesn't come in right away? And are you too concerned about that in the sense that, you know, we've seen teams bring in designated players before in the summer window and it's worked well. Seattle Sounders always seem to do it and it gives them that second half boost. I don't don't know. I I still think they're probably going to bring them in the winter, but I don't think we should, you know, be too concerned if they can't get their player then because, uh, you know, at, su- at some point, there are some benefits to bring them in in the summer.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, everything I've read about Bore suggests that he's not going anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. The rumor that I really liked was Junior Hoylett. I mean, I've been, I've been screaming from the mountaintops about bringing Junior home to play for TFC for a long time. His contract's almost up. Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. I'll buy a shirt the day it's announced.
2: <laughs> that, would be, that would be a good sign I. wouldn't be mad at a junior home that sign, I, although I'm not sure if that, if that is the guy right now. Um, if we, we can talk a little bit about Bore and you know his contract is up at, at, in the summer as much as you know sort of alluding to there and that perhaps it'll be easier to sign someone like him whose contract is up in the summer as opposed to paying that transfer fee you know, in, in the year or convincing the team to let him go for free. Um, also you get in terms of salary cap, which obviously we know TFC is tight against. Instead of having it charged as the max contract you have, which is like around five hundred, six hundred thousand, it's half of that if you bring them in the summer transfer window. Mm-hmm. So it's three hundred thousand on the salary cap. Therefore you have an extra three hundred thousand or whatever to play with. Um, and you know, add to your team for this year. Now it depends on the type of player that they're they're getting. If they're trying to get someone long term for their future, you know, it doesn't matter if they bring him in now or they bring them in the summer. They want to bring him in, right? So obviously we'd like to have them sooner, but if you're going to save 10 million hypothetically and bring them for free in the summer, I think we can wait the extra two, three months for a player that's going to be here, hopefully for the next five, seven, eight years. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say it's not Santos, bore, bore, uh, however you pronounce it. for River Plata. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully <laughs> we do get to learn the pronunciation of his name because I think going would be an exciting signing for the Toronto <laughs> FC. um, mm-hmm. But I don't think uh, the TFC have done a really good job at sort of keeping their mouth shut here and keeping things in tight. And, and nothing really has gotten out so far, except for KJ letting us know on his Instagram live that, uh, you know, th- this will be a, a player that TFC fans are familiar with. It won't be a stranger to TFC fans. So that, that's positive news because I think a designated player has to sell jerseys and they'll have to be able to contribute on the field. And if it's someone that a uh, TFC fan is familiar with, I'm betting that's probably someone who will sell jerseys and hopefully be able to, you know, compete on the field. So um, exciting times for, for TSC fans because they have a, a couple of open roster spots. Uh, and, hey, they got some room.
1: So could you sell Junior Hoylet as a designated player, though? Because as much as I really like Junior Hoylet, and I think he's a fantastic player, you know, again, you, get, you just got rid of Pablo Piatti, who I think is... At least a somewhat similar caliber of player to Junior Hoilet, and you have the proof of concept with Piatti. You know he works in the team. Obviously, he was he didn't have the offensive upside everyone was hoping, and I think Junior Hoilet's at, at least slightly better in that category. But in terms of caliber of player, you know Hoilet Piatti pretty similar. Agreed. Um, don't care. It's Junior. It. <laughs> I don't care.
3: Um, you know they can I, always I tune Junior in this show to watch me like sing his praises and then I'll, I'll yeah. help sell shirts. So, um, I mean, I, I, is Boré, think, I think he's is a, Boré, a like, we're going to have to invest in accent a name sets all of a sudden. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if Bore is, is going to sell shirts either. I mean, uh, uh, you know, we not, not getting messy first right year,
2: but maybe a second third year you know he'll be here for a well, while the thing about junior hoylet then is... i apply the
3: same thing to hoylet i like you know he may not sell shirts in the first year but you know oh, watch him go there. and then
1: he'll
2: sell
3: yeah I <laughs> <think> <laughs> he'll at, early, at right? least one at least
1: yeah. one <laughs> <laughs> probably um, two probably two <laughs> that's a good yeah, yeah.
2: How, how old is junior hoylet? like 30
1: 31 30, i think 31 uh, yeah, yeah i want to say 31 yeah. something yeah, like that
2: right so i mean again they're they're bringing a player that's over 30 uh I again I think he would he 30 would 30 exactly. In. Oh, there you oh, go. Nice. He'd fit in well with uh with an MLS in general. I think he'd be a good goal scorer. He'd he'd bring what TFC needs. But that being said, I think he, he's open to coming to Toronto. He's said it in the past that he wants to, you know, one day play for Toronto FC. And if his contract's gonna be expiring one day, I don't think that you need to rush that move. I think that move will, will come eventually and perhaps it won't be you won't have to use up that designated player spot um you know we, we do have this new under 22 initiative which is super exciting and you know tfc are in an opportunity in a position where they can definitely take advantage of this so perhaps junior hole then does become you know a viable option at as a designated player um <laughs> hey either way the speculation is so much fun because you know something's gonna happen tfc are gonna get their their new start in toronto and it's an exciting time for toronto fc fans
1: absolutely it c- certainly is well, it's an exciting time for the show because it seems like Laura Armstrong is here, so we'll bring her on now a number of things to talk about um as we said, with the the she believes Cup coming up as well as as Tronoff season set to get underway tomorrow in terms of training camp. uh Laura, how you doing?
0: Hey, I'm good thanks. How are you guys?
1: Good well.
2: yeah thanks for thanks for joining us. We're a big fan here so
0: yeah thanks for having me. I always love a little bit of time to talk Canada women then uh
2: TFC. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, and we're hoping Absolutely. to get some Blue Jays questions in there too. Oh no, no, really? I'm just
0: kidding. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> Mike, I have a Blue Jays question. My God.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, okay, anyway, let's
0: let's do it.
1: Yeah, let's start with the the Canadian Women's National Team. Uh, you know, a very interesting first couple weeks of training camp in the sense that a lot of players aren't going to be there. You know, revealed that Christine Sinclair, Matheson, McLeod. St. George missed due to injury, and then, of course, all the French players, Buchanan, Lawrence, and, and Heidema won't be there um, due to restrictions and their clubs kind of saying no. So, um, you know, does that kind of change the tone of the camp now? Because you've probably got three to four starters who aren't, aren't there. It's It's got to change Priestman's plans at least a little bit in terms of what she was hoping to to accomplish here.
0: Yeah, I think it definitely does. I mean, we just talked to her. She just got off a conference call uh, like a minute ago, and she was saying that um, certainly they're still going out there to win. right? And I think that if you're you're a top 10 team in the world, you can't say just because we've lost a couple of players, uh, we're not going to go out there to win. Um, But of course it it makes for more sort of opportunity and certainly more adversity for this team um, than maybe it would have been even, you know, two weeks ago when we first came into, when they first came into camp. I think that it's really exciting. Like I think that it's an opportunity for, and I don't necessarily know like really exciting sounds weird because it sounds like it's going to be wholly positive and it's not going to be wholly positive. (laughs) But I think that it's really exciting from an outsider's perspective to uh to get this team to start really transitioning. We've been talking for years and years about this team transitioning, and I'm certainly not calling Christine Sinclair's retirement because lady can play as long as she wants to try But I think that, you know, we do have to prepare for a time when um, the, the the players that you know, in the Sophie Schmidt, the Desiree Scotts, the Diana Mathesons, the Christine Sinclairs, the Aaron McLeods are no longer around. Right. And at some point, we're going to, we, we knew we were going to start seeing these injuries. We knew we were going to start seeing players per, perhaps not coming into the national team fold. And this is kind of the first tournament where we see it. So there's going to be opportunity for certain players to step up. And then there's also going to be, you know, holes that there exist in the starting 11 or the starting 14 or the starting, you know, 23 or the, the 20, this group of 23. And it gives Bev Priestman an opportunity to sort of really see what those holes are, are, and, and, Try and start figuring
2: out how she can fix them. No, that's a really good point. We, that's something we've been talking about really on this show. And even last week, I was asking Oliver Platt, who was on here, and I was asking some of the names that um, he would expect to sort of step up and, in, in, you know, other than Christine Conclair or other, some of the other big echelon names. Um, so, Laura, I'll ask you the same question. As, aside from, you know, some of the people who are going to be missing, who are some of those people that could step up for, for Canada?
0: Yeah, I think one of the names that like on that list of players that you're going to miss, I think Bianca St. George would have been a very interesting uh, player to to see um, a little bit more of. Unfortunately, she's injured. So she's somebody that I'm going to be looking for in the future. But I do think that and I think that also Jordan Heidemann, like I'm just itching to see her come back from PSG because I think that she finally is going to be in a place where she really can sort of start stepping into this Christine Sinclair role. So we're going to miss her, miss seeing her, I think, as fans a lot. Um, but I do think that um, I'm looking forward to actually seeing Jordan Listro play in center of midfield. I think she brings a lot of grit to that position. And I think that, you know, you've got Desiree Scott, who has held that destroyer role for a long time, but she's g- going to be one of those players who moves sort of out of this fold in the next four years, let's say. Right. And, and I think that you need somebody who's going to sort of, come in and, and take on that role because Canada needs that grit I think that's really important um Evelyn Vienne, I think I'm very excited to see uh her come in and, and I think that one of the things that we've seen with this Canadian team even though we talked so much about Christine Sinclair and the international goals scoring record they've struggled to score goals right mm-hmm. they really have struggled mm-hmm. to score goals so I think that it's important to get somebody like her into the fold and to really see sort of what she's able to bring i think the younger players like the sarah stratagakis they're they're interesting to me they're maybe not like right now players they're not players that i'm expecting to see on the olympic roster but you're sort of going to get a taste of them right now it's it's an interesting generation though right like they're not like necessarily in my view the the um, Kanisha Buchanan and the Ashley Lawrences who are going to come in, you know, basically as teenagers and they're going to be with this team forever. I think there's still going to be a lot of battles um, for, for to get just even get into these rosters. I think you're going to see a very different Olympic roster come the summer uh, if the Olympics keep go ahead. But I definitely think that um, there are, you're sort of getting a taste here and at least you'll know what's coming down the pipeline, uh, which I think is important.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Mitch hates when I do this, but I'm going <coughs> to ask a double question because uh, I'm always curious about origin stories. So, you know, just a bit of your your origin story and, oh, and you know, what your biggest influences are. Uh-huh. or And and then to follow it up, what's the most striking difference between covering baseball and soccer? Oh, and also as a precursor, I wore this for you because I know Thank you're- Thank you. I winner. appreciate it.
0: It's really nice. Yeah. But we're
3: not talking about William at all. It's not happening.
0: <laughs> I can't. I'm too old. I'm too totally
3: <laughs> Cool. Uh, so, yeah, my question is the double ones.
0: Yeah. So, um, my origin story. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> this is. Um What I will say is that I um, I grew up, I was born to a British father. So, I didn't think that I had a choice, frankly. Um, in the Arsenal realm, um, that was always something that uh, we like we always, I think it was ingrained in me. Like he tried to name me Laura Arsenal Armstrong. Like that's <laughs> he, he did try my mom tried my real hard, but it's like, it feels like it's just part of you. Right. Um, And I think that we were just always really involved in the culture. I was actually on a podcast, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, that's called soccer snaps out of Ottawa. And there were guys who ran, who who played at the club that my dad played at when we were kids and he still plays. And, um, I just like it just kind of felt like it's part of it was part of the community that you grew up right they were all sort of British expats and they all we went to the bars on Friday nights like kids just racing around the soccer field and then racing around the bar and and you just learned sort of a language in a community and I think that that's what really made me want to be a journalist as well as watching Craig Forrest and Jerry Jobson like on the weekends every Saturday morning that was so important to be a part of so You know it was incredible to be able to do this job i feel very very lucky particularly when i get to report on soccer because it's something that's so meaningful um to me personally the difference between covering soccer and baseball is pretty significant though (laughs) 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 just a
2: little
0: bit I, i mean i love it's totally different and covering baseball for the last four years i think it's almost this will be my fifth season on the jays beat um it's a grind. Like baseball is such a grind, right? You like listen to the soccer players complaining about playing 30 minutes and I totally get it. It's a completely different sport or 38 games. I totally get it. It's a completely different sport, but like, you're like, that's like a month in baseball. <laughs> like, that's, that's not wrong. Really so it's definitely different. It's really interesting to be able to learn a whole new sport that I didn't know a lot about before I started covering it. Um, And I think that the one thing that links every sport, especially as a reporter, is that community that does exist. Like there's a soccer Mm -hmm. community, there's a baseball community, and they all have their like, you know, sort of specific differences. But I think that, um, you know, it's just that 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 links sport. And once you're able to sort of get to the heart of sport, which is just the way that it can bring people together, you can find that no matter which which game's being played.
3: Mm. It's weird i'm the opposite of that my dad was the baseball guy i mean he he needed an extra seat for all of his accoutrements and the program and the headphones oh. so he could listen to the radio broadcast to get the play-by-play at the Skydome. so yeah i came into soccer but baseball is what i grew up with, with,
0: with interesting my dad. So, i mean yeah. i i do kind of wish that i had grown up with baseball and if i ever have children they will grow up with baseball because there's something lovely about going to the ballpark and just because it's mm. like such a culture here in north america like i kind of feel like on soccer even though there's so many people who love the game you love the game over the season, a lot of cases or whatever the case may be whereas baseball is like very inherent to north america and i think that that's something that's really cool and i don't know i just feel like i would if i ever like go watch a baseball game now for fun which happens maybe once or twice a year because i think mm-hmm. it's to, like, go drink beer at your job. Um, <laughs> I, like, will score the game and stuff because I just love that I know how to do that, which is yeah. it's a wild yeah. thing I never would have known when I was a kid because I just didn't grow up with that kind of thing.
2: Awesome. Th- that All makes right. a lot of sense. Um, no, but really good answers there. That was some pretty vague questions. Really really <laughs> 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 um, but sort of like shifting back to the she believes cup there. Yeah, and Bev Priestman. She it's gonna be her her debut. Are you expecting a sort of shift in philosophy here as she kind of takes the helm, or are we expecting to sort of go on that same trajectory that, that Canada soccer was, which at the, the Canadian women's well, national thing, sorry, which at the time honestly was they were in flux because they, they weren't getting the results that they needed. Do you think that this this re- is going to be sort of refreshing and breath uh, changed the direction here or what do, what do you expect here, Laura?
0: Yeah, I like Bev. I think that it's great that she's back. I think I've, I've always liked her. I think she's always been a really, really intelligent speaker um, and I think that maybe you did see some shift i think from like the john john herdman era to the kenneth heiner moller era and i i actually was surprised at how well that went over because of how shocked everybody was and how shocked all the players was, were when john herdman just suddenly announced he was switching i think that you could feel the devastation that the players were feeling when they learned that Um, And then Kenneth Heiner-Muller came in, and I think it was a very difficult position for him to come in. And I think he really earned his stripes as kind of a player's coach. Like, even, you know, Christine Sinclair, she would rave about him. And I think that, you know, given the the significant relationship that she had with John Herdman, I think that that was really, really important. Um, Bev Priestman, I think think that it's not so emotional this time around, right? And I think that because Bev Priestman knows all of the players, she's going to... Um, she's going to be able to integrate pretty well and pretty quickly with this team. But one thing that I would say is that she's not the Bev Priestman, I don't think, that we, we saw under John Herdman, right? She's gone and she's done things since then. She's learned things. And I think very importantly, she's learned things in England, which is a really, really fascinating to me area of women's football right now. Um, so I think that, you know, she's had the chance to go and not only, uh, you know, see the inner workings of another national team which i think is really important she's also gone to see you know a lot of games and she's gone probably had the opportunity to chat with people throughout the game in in england and i think that that's huge and bringing that back is going to be helpful because she not only in my opinion has a job of trying to get this team to the next level which is the biggest jump to make from this sort of you know five to ten team to one to five team Mm -hmm. um she, she also has to transition, she's going to have to transition this group. And I think that that's hugely a part of her role. And I think that she's going to have to really look to her sort of days in the pipeline uh, to make sure that that happens, which means she's going to have to juggle a lot of balls um, at, at the same time. So I think that that's what I, I like about her. It's not necessarily what I think she can do for the national team. I don't think we're going to see a huge change in philosophy or whatever, whatever the case may be. I think that you're hearing a lot of the same narrative that you've heard from the last two, um, coaches. And why not? Cause it's worked to a certain extent. But I think that the added thing with Bev Priestman is going to be that she is going to need to be involved in all of the, all of the pipeline that's working towards Towards this team and and making sure that there are players to replace the players when they when they depart eventually.
2: Yeah, no, really well said.
3: Nice. I was gonna ask about um, uh, uh, pandemic stuff, but I think I'm gonna ask you about TFC because we haven't talked about <laughs> TFC yet. Uh, speaking of coaching changes and 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 yeah. looking forward, what what are your thoughts on uh, what's happening in TFC land over the last couple of months?
0: Wild, still. <laughs> still i don't know it feels as a tfc like watcher really in the last year because i i haven't covered the team as much as i normally would have because of the pandemic it's so weird that they're not greg Vanny's toronto fc anymore um i mm-hmm. think that for me this is really bill manning's team and the buck stops with bill manning now um he i wrote about it i think around the time that Vanny um vanney left that mm-hmm. or, or, or around this time i guess they signed chris Armas. you know before, it was very much still a club that was benefiting from the behind-the-scenes work that Tim Laiweke, Tim Bezvichenko, Greg Vanny did, you know, back when they started this whole revamping of the club. And it's not to say that Bill Manning hasn't helped, because he certainly has uh, in the last five years. But now he's got Ali Curtis, who is his guy. He's got Chris Armas, who is his guy. Um, and I think that, you know, the buck really stops with him and how he's going to transition this team because they've said that they don't want to go into a rebuild. Right. And so far, they've done a good job of that. Um, but you want to see how that continues. So I think it's going to be um, very, very interesting to see Chris Armour. I think that it was a risky decision on the part of Toronto FC. I think that, you know, there are. um There are certainly questions about his record and questions about what he's done so far to deserve such a big job, um, in, in Toronto. And I think that it's going to be really interesting to see if he can live up. I mean, I'm not prepared to say no because we all like scratched our heads when Greg Vanny came in, right? And then he went on to be the best in the, in the league. But I certainly think that that's going to be something that, you know, reflects on Bill Manning. Like, did you bring in the right guy? If he doesn't, if things go in a different direction, so I think it's again one of the most interesting seasons in Toronto FC like recent years, right? Because we've just gotten used to the same coach, the same GM, the same group of guys, and now you've almost got like a completely different core um, that you're you're expecting the same things out of. And how often do you sort of strike gold like that?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah for sure, and you kind of touched on there. That's sort of a different core, but what about those Josie Altador rumors that, that came up, you know, <laughs> like two weeks ago of him saying that, uh, or not him, sorry, Jim Carlisle reporting that Josie Altdor wants to move away from Toronto FC after bunning heads with, with Ali Curtis. What did you make of those rumors, Laura? And do you think Josie does want out of TFC, or is that sort of just just smoke there?
0: Well, first of all, I was shocked that Greg Verhalter was the one commenting on right? it. And like, sort of started choking the fire because I have never seen a national team head coach, or you certainly rarely see a national team head, ho- head coach be like, Yeah, this guy wants a transfer. I was like, Wait, well, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those press yeah. conferences that if you weren't paying attention for those seconds, then you really messed up because like <laughs> something actually interesting just happened. So, <laughs> um I don't know like listen I think that Josie has had a hard couple of years I certainly think that um you know he's made it clear he has he thought that at one point you know Michael Bradley's uh injury was mishandled and I think that maybe you know there are some frustrations there in terms of the injuries that he has had I still think that he is a very capable player and I also think that he loves Toronto so I don't know. I, I think that he is the kind of guy who could weather um, the storm in Toronto because he cares so deeply about the city. He cares so deeply about the fan base. Um, and I, I just think that he still has a lot to give this organization. I don't think that he gets enough credit really for what he's done. I think that if you like look back at um, some of the – most momentous moments in Toronto FC history in the last five years. Josie Elsewhere is at the center of a lot of them, but you really see all of the stories about, you know, Michael Bradley, about Sebastian Davinko, about Alejandro Pozuelo, about Victor Vasquez, right? And I don't necessarily know that Josie gets enough credit for what he's done for this team. And I think why, that is.
2: Why do you think that is? Yeah.
0: I think he's not as. He, he doesn't speak as much, frankly. Like, I mean, he's not, he doesn't, Michael Bradley will come out and talk every uh, couple of days and, and Josie Elter doesn't necessarily speak as much. I don't, I don't know why that is, but I just think that there are other guys who will come out and, and maybe be a little bit more, um, more like have their face out there a little bit more. And certainly because of the injury, right? Like, hugely because of the injuries, but every time that he's had, Every time that he's been healthy, healthy, he's come out and he's produced, and he's produced in really important moments. You remember some of the like early Toronto FC uh, playoff days where Sebastian Javinko wasn't scoring, and everybody was complaining, yeah. about "Why Sebastian was mm-hmm. not scoring in the playoffs?" Mm-hmm. Well, I guess who was scoring? Josie right, yep. right? like, Yeah. So I just think that I think that there's there's stuff left in him. I think that it would be hugely bad for the club if this went went poorly if this relationship seemed to sour and it soured publicly because I don't Mm -hmm. think that's what uh, I don't think that's what Josie Alcindor deserves and I don't think that the fan base would respond well to that Um, so I certainly think that they need to find a way to patch that up and try and get something out of him before his deal does end I mean certainly they're going to have to move on from him eventually he's getting older Um, but he's just for me he's a pillar he's one of the pillars of this club Um, And I think that you have to do whatever you can to try and get him back on the field, get him healthy. Um, And, and once you do that, I really do think that he's the kind of guy who's going to deliver for this team because he has a track record of delivering for this team.
1: Yeah. Even, even this past year, I mean, even this past year, right? Like we aren't talking about the season starting training camp, starting tomorrow. If Josie doesn't score that goal against Montreal and uh, give them that spot in the Canadian Mm -hmm. championship. So
0: Mm-hmm. Even this past mm-hmm. year,
1: he's still even in That's his true. toughest year of Toronto, He's still quiet, did have that quiet, one big yeah. moment. Yeah,
0: twenty twenty <laughs> was a wash, too, right? Like I'm not yeah. anybody on twenty twenty. Like Joe Rutherford is a dad; he has a kid. Like there's all these things that like you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know, you know. What was happening with his family life, whatever. And I think that you have to give every single athlete who competed in 2020 that amount of grace because it was not easy. It wasn't easy for us as people. Like, it's certainly not easy for athletes who are being expected to move or re, like, relocate their entire lives, right? So I just, I, I don't think that we can judge anybody based on what happened in 2020. It sucks for the players who are sort of coming towards the end of their contracts or the end of their careers. Um, but I certainly think that uh, we have to like, sort of, I don't know. He gets a pass. He I'm still going to
3: judge Willian but, on 2020. As long as we're clear, I'm still judging Willian on 2020. Sure, and yeah, I wasn't yeah, going to talk I, about I, him, but.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, well, speaking of, we speaking of, break.
0: Break. <laughs> speaking break.
1: of, relocating their lives. I mean, uh, we've got a lot of rumors of where Toronto FC might play next season. How weird would it be if, you know, we've got the Raptors already down in, in Florida. Hey, we might have the Jays in Dunedin. Toronto FC might be in Tampa as well. How weird would it be seeing all of Toronto's teams, you know, barring the Maple Leafs in in Florida this year? Yeah,
0: I know. I'm, like, wondering if I need to move. Like, do I move? <laughs> <laughs> what, what's happening <laughs> The thing is, like, don't really want to move to Tampa because their COVID numbers are scary. Uh, yeah. ever, but plus it's
3: Tampa, um, but
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, I mean, it, it certainly wouldn't be like. <laughs> White Claws after the game, you know, that wouldn't be the case anymore. So you'd be like in your hotel, like trying to hide from the rest of the world. But Mm -hmm. yeah, weird, right? I mean, it makes sense. MLSC, all of those clubs like are close and obviously the Jays are already there. So, and I really do think that having spoken with people at the Raptors and people at the Jays and, and also TFC, that they've all sort of used their resources and tried to help each other out about like what's working here. And it seems that they settled on Florida, which seems like a very weird place to settle in, in a lot of ways. But uh, yeah, it's it's wild. It would be wild to see, and also I would be afraid that Tampa would just try and like keep them forever, which yeah. <laughs> 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 <Yeah, that's> can't. <nice. laughs> uh,
3: yeah, yeah. Somebody asked on the on the thread. Uh, you know, is there a brass bonanza alike? In Tampa, you know that we can steal, and I said bad soccer and insolvency. Those are the first (laughs) two things that come to my head. I
1: I hope for the sake of. I I spent a lot of of
0: time in Tampa in the last couple of years covering Jays or like near Tampa. It's warm. That's
2: nice. <laughs> I was gonna so, say you got to spend that at Tropicana, so I don't know how yeah. how I
0: do. Well, yeah, that's but the the Jays complex, Dunedin's really nice. So if we could oh. all just crowd in Dunedin, then it would be lovely.
3: Is it grass? Can you play soccer on it, or is it not? Sure, we play in the
0: outfield at one of the Blue Jays' complexes. You know, We'll just call it right. the TFC and call it a day. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. there you go. Hey, they, like. they revamped those this year. I'm sure it has a soccer field
0: there. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could just walk across the like from one to the other? You could be watching TFC in this corner and Jays in this corner. That would be great for me. I would love that.
3: I like you this idea. Like can, it Tampa, only, yeah. can it not be Tampa, though? Can it not be Tampa? The only thing I don't like is the Tampa part. Everything yeah. else is amazing. But.
0: Yeah. I mean, they yeah. all live in bubbles, right? So if we can just, like, sort of some find a way to, like, permeate that bubble, then it wouldn't be so bad, right? You'd be in your own, like, little Toronto and Tampa bubble.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Laura's utopia right
0: here. Finding <laughs> out a way to make this pandemic work
1: for me. Yes, yes. Well, I think we all hope uh, we all hope they don't replace Brass Bonanza with some kind of pitbull song. But <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, uh, we'll let Good you go know. We uh, really, uh, really appreciate you taking the time this week. Yeah, Thanks for thank having
0: you, me, Laura. Right. It's
1: such a pleasure. Awesome thank to talk you, to you. Be well. Oh, <laughs> dropped here for sign off there, but no, yeah, that was a
0: a, lot was a of great fun, chat. Yeah.
1: Obviously, a lot to think about in terms of the uh, the COVID arrangements for Toronto FC and that sort of thing. But you know, such as uh, such as twenty twenty one, I guess we are such now twenty
3: twenty one. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so are Raymond, we point, G-
2: sorry, are we at the point where we're giving Josie the the benefit of the doubt uh, heading into twenty one? Have we reached that point in Toronto FC fandom where he's he's part of our team now and and we're hoping that, that we get the best out of Josie Altador. are we still kind of hoping that TFC move on from him and free up that designated player spot uh, what are your guys thoughts on that
3: well considering that one of our designated players shouts from 40 minutes ago isn't going to sell t-shirts so he's terrible even though I want to oil <laughs> it so badly and that the other one we don't know how to pronounce his name and he's not coming um, I think we're good with one open DP spot uh, uh, I've ne- I never gave up on Josie uh, uh. Ivan just wrote in a comment, and I'm gonna throw it up. Is it worrying or concerning lack of TFC roster moves/slash announcements, especially since training camp opens tomorrow?
2: Whoa, whoa, hold I mean, on, Ivan. Justin Morrow, we're gonna get that. We're getting it, but you beat us to it. But let's let's take a moment here and let's let's welcome back Justin Morrow to Toronto FC, as Steve Buffery is hmm. reporting that. Justin Morrow and tfc or you know come, come into terms and he'll be back with tfc next season which um of course is music to our ears and anybody's watched the show and you know when justin morrow came on he said that was the plan so we should not i be tuned out after right? the onyx heartbreak but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh yeah uh, we shouldn't be surprised what do you guys make of the the justin morrow move back to tfc
3: well i want to i want to sort of circle back to ivan's thing i mean in in Normal times, yeah, sure, it's alarming. Uh, you know, we're going to be alarmed because we need to speculate on TFC roster moves. But you know, the way that the way that everything's shaped up, I'm not too alarmed. I mean, at the at the end of the season, we were talking about how you know we're not we're not going through a rebuild. We're a couple pieces away. Uh, we lost a lone player. We lost some some dead weight. Um, you know, and uh, all we have to do is look to the bottom of our screen to the biggest advocate of uh, of the young guns who's probably as happy as can be right now because it opens the gates to uh to promoting in uh, in terms of uh, uh the inside um junior hall at tam gam i don't care if he's a dp guys I I, i'm willing you know People, people always bring up Victor Vasquez as an excuse why we should get people on tam. You need to stop it. He was the greatest deal in the history of the league. I, <laughs> he should have been a DP. He was never a tam player, so it's such I, an unfair comparison.
1: I don't think the Vasquez is the comparison. I think it's the the DPS that Tronov brought in between Bradley, Altidore, Pozuelo, Javinko. You know that that's where your standards set now. And and again, uh, I I, right. I don't think. Uh, I don't think that it's Hoylet, the player. Uh, I just think it's like, I don't think that he's not going to sell t-shirts. Like that's why you shouldn't bring him in. Uh, It's less like, I mean, I meant like selling the fan base on him in the sense of like, you know, you're, you're getting rid of a La Liga winger and bringing in a championship winger on face value. It's a, it's, you know, a lateral move. For sure. That the bar. Who's Canadian?
3: Who's Torontonian and who rules? <laughs> I think,
2: they, I they've they've think been we're... there, done that with Julian de Guzman. Like, we're, we're over that stage where just because he's Canadian, just because he's foreign, we have to bring him home. I mean, I agree yeah. with Mitch. It's just he, he doesn't really move the, the needle when, if you compare him to a Pablo Piatti, he, he could score a little bit more goals, but is he a better player overall? Yes. Uh, uh, that, that's <laughs> definitely debatable. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I would love to see him here as an allocation money. Yeah, yeah. And, on, think, and on the, on the Josie story,
3: I've n- I never give up on Josie. I mean, you, you, you know, I, I ran out of the opportunity to say this when Laura was on, but while Josie was scoring goals, the only thing Seba was kicking in anger was a staunch in beside the uh, the tunnel to the. Hey, to the he dressing kicked that.
1: Room. He, to be fair, he kicked that after scoring two goals and getting pulled <laughs> off after getting a hat trick. So that's a bad example. <laughs> yes, Junior Highland.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no circling back let's circle back to ivan's comment there about tfc not really announcing any moves i think this this week and next week where we are going to hear some moves come in um just because training camp is opening and you know that that time is coming where they have to to start making moves and announce these decisions so i think we'll hear a justin morrow decision i think we might hear one or two more uh potentially but like Mitch said, like this is a team that that's happy with the consistency. Or Jeff, you said that, that this is a team that's happy with with what it has. Um, I want to
3: have... I want to circle back to one thing because it just it reminded me. Um, if we considering that we've got a new coach, and considering that you know if we don't get Bore Hoylett in the winter transfer window, uh, and they'll be coming in a certain a couple steps behind whatever Chris Armas is trying to do. Is that a concern to you? Or do you think that's a positive? Like Chris Armas gets to figure it out with Josie maybe. And then, you know, come, come summertime, we know we have a much firmer idea of where everybody stands.
1: That's I think nice. good players adapt. I mean, we saw Pozuelo come in, what he did in his first game, you know, same with Altidore and Javinko. Like they all hit the ground running. Like, I think most of the time good players when you bring them in it's it's not too hard to build around them so I'm not too concerned in that and on the note I think Michael was was kind of getting here maybe um again we found out that when the season starts like this past week there's so, there's been so much chaos in in all of this and sure I could eat these words but you know with where Toronto at in terms of a roster right now um, I'm not too concerned that come you know, come the summer transfer window, they wouldn't be at least in the playoff spot and Agreed. probably Canadian champions. So, Agreed. you know, <laughs> what they they lost- I could they lose? I could be heavily eating these words, but we'll wait for the coin toss.
2: They lost <laughs> who they lose. They lost Lawrence Sigmund, Eric Zavaletta, who are their backup center backs, and we know the reputation they had around TFC Live. Um, mm-hmm. they lost like Tony G, Tony G they lost Pablo Piatti. Is there anyone else I'm missing?
3: Some loans of the of the lower yeah. depth pieces, right? Yeah. Like, guys, we won't get back at the start of the season.
2: Oh, just uh, Rocco Romeo. It? Just, just, okay. just Rocco Romeo. So if those are the subtractions from this roster, you got to consider that this team was a, a definitely contending team last year. They were first place for the Supporters' Shield for more the majority of the season um, and they're also a younger team that's 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 probably going to improve next season because I mean they have a mixture of youngsters and veterans, but for the most part they their majority of their players are younger players. Um, you can look at the Altadors mm-hmm. and Bradleys, but maybe that just means they have to take a lesser role next season because they're getting mm-hmm. a little bit older. And that means that you have players capable that are stepping up like a Liam Frazier, or, you know, a, a Ralph Preso or a Noble mm-hmm. Akello. You can like the, the sky's oh, a lot Noble Akello. I need to exactly. see that. I, I, I need so to see some untapped of that, potential. man. There's so yeah. much untapped potential in Toronto FC right now. So um, I think the biggest question mark on this roster heading into training camp right now is that center back position. Um I, I, again, like I, I, think this team can start the season without a designated player and be fine. But I, I, am not sure they can do it without a, a third center back right now. I don't know if Julian Dunn is is that answer. The only time he's proven that he can can hang around in, in MLS is at the Canadian Premier Leagues Island Games. Right. That's the only <laughs> time he's really showcased that he he he's up there. His, his, but boy,
3: boy, was he up there? He was he was a revelation. Yeah, he, he was, was very good, and yeah.
2: perhaps that's why TFC have, have felt. They don't need to rush into getting another center back here. But if, if you're going into the season as Julian Dunn is your third center back and you don't have a f- natural fourth center back on the roster, that's an issue. So I'm, I'm expecting TFC to address that. Um, and hopefully maybe it's in, with that under-22 player initiative because I keep mentioning it because mm-hmm. it, it's 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 something that TFC Super can exciting, really yeah. take advantage of, especially for mm-hmm. a team that's not financially you know, burdened, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, have, they have financial freedom, and compared to other MLS teams, and if salary uh, transfer fees isn't a, isn't included in in their salary cap, so you could pay whatever for a certain type of player as long as you pay them less than mm-hmm. five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars a season, then th- there's an opportunity for a club like TFC to spend and possibly get those players. So um, something to look out for and see how TFC you know manages that that rule because they could get even better, which is a scary sight. Mm-hmm
3: are we okay with potentially waiting to make any big roster moves to see what we got to see if Julian Dunn can hang with the big boys to Mm -hmm. see if, if IO is actually as good as, as his, as his numbers suggest to see if Josie's coming back with a big chip on his shoulder, et cetera, et cetera, further down the line.
2: I think Mitch answered that. Yeah. I think we we have a, a squad here that's capable of, you know, being a playoff squad in the Eastern conference. So, and that's, that's like the floor with this, this mm-hmm. team, you know what I mean? So if, if they're even better than that, if, if Preso takes another step up, if Jaden Nelson takes another step up, if Ayo takes another step up, if Jordan Perusa plays a role. Like, the, if all these guys that are, are options on this team to to step up and mm-hmm. uh, have a big year do that, then TFC... Man, I about Jordan
3: Perusa...
1: I forgot yeah. about that guy.
2: We uh yep. we're okay.
3: And Patrick Mullins, let's not forget my boy Patrick Mullins, all right?
1: <laughs> well and um, and Achara, they technically have two players right, who Achara. you can almost consider off season additions in Achara yeah, yeah, and Jordan. Yeah. Kruza, so
2: Yeah, exactly. It was a really
3: let's good Let's play. play guys. Let's do yeah. this. Let's get, <laughs> let's get on the pitch. Um, Ivan, no, no. Both of those shows are terrible. Especially I Michael still... Bradley at center back again. I don't ever want to see that again. Maybe didn't say Liam?
2: Vanny did say last year that if he got into a pickle, Liam Fraser was capable of filling in a center back. He was quick to say that. Um, KJ
3: discounted it almost entirely out of hand on his uh, IG Live, his recent IG Live. That, that Liam Fraser would be an
2: option there? Mm-hmm.
3: He said no way. You know,
2: I, just, hey, may, I don't know, but it was Vanny's words himself, like, last year. I think I asked him about it, if he was comfortable mm-hmm. with their centre-back depth, and that was when they had Simon Zabaleta. Yeah, I and think Vanny was said, just like,
3: as long as he's furthest away from the bench, so I don't have to see him play him as a, <laughs> a centre-back, because he want, is he good in
2: goal? I mean, what well, the... it, was, it was unprompted, too, so, like, yeah. it's not even, like, I asked him about Liam Frazier, he just randomly threw him, he's like, if, if, you know, if things get a little tight here, we can, it's possible that Liam Frazier could even, you know, fill in the slot. In I'd, in rather see, role, so. I'd rather
3: see Frazier at center back than Bradley at center back ever again. That gives me hives. The thought of it gives me, <laughs> me hives. So.
1: What I will say is, Frazier has played one game as a center back, and he was in the MLS team of the week. So very, very small Achara size sample size, but <laughs> it's a very good one. He's, the, yeah. he's
2: played that role for Canada too, I think, in the past, where he's he's dropped in at center back and sort
1: of yeah i mean late last season like we we saw him even in the nashville game he was basically playing as a center back when late in yeah game yeah they he just was... needed him to pump balls forward um when they were trying to get back in that game so i don't know we'll last we'll resort
2: see. option last resort option yeah. so like if tfc mm-hmm. were absolutely stranded there perhaps they can throw Liam frazier and jeff maybe that that's a reason why they don't have to rush out and get a center back right now Um, Again, yeah. Don't
3: don't tell me Bradley is center back. Oh my god! I don't, know. Again,
2: it it might be better to wait for that summer transfer window because the TFC are tight against the cap, and if someone comes in, it'll only half their salary budget hit against the cap. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm surprised more teams don't take advantage of that. To be honest with you,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot to ponder, a lot to think about it this week ahead, as Michael said. I have a feeling we're going to be talking some headlines next week um, on some of these things. So hopefully uh, hopefully the speculation ends now. But, uh, hey, it's been fun speculating, and I really enjoyed doing that with you guys this week. Awesome to have Laura on as well so so awesome. to talk some of that. And uh, obviously she believes Cup starts Thursday, I believe, against the United States. So um, that's going to be a whole lot of fun to, to watch those games. And, again, some exciting stuff to watch for in terms of some names that maybe – We haven't seen pull on the the red and white before, um, who I think could be destined for big things over the next couple of years. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be great. And, you know, on behalf of Jeff, Michael, and myself, uh, have a great week. Uh, Hopefully enjoy the snow a little bit and uh, enjoy some Champions League as well. Until next Tuesday. Ciao.